Hi, I'm Madhuni Krishnan, editor of Skift Airline Weekly, and welcome to the podcast. We're doing something a little bit different with the podcast now. We're bringing you audio of our weekly live stream, Mondays with Skift Airline Weekly, which we broadcast every week, every Monday, at 11.30 a.m. Eastern. Join us next week. We'll take your questions while we discuss the hottest topics in the airline industry. You can register at forum.skift.com. Hi, and welcome to Mondays with Skift Airline Weekly. I'm your host, Madhuni Krishnan, the editor of Skift Airline Weekly, and I'm joined today by Jay Shabat, Skift Airline Weekly's senior analyst and co-founder. Good morning, Jay. Good morning, Madhu. So we're having a little bit of technical difficulty in Jay's, uh, I don't know if all of you can see Jay, but uh, his audio is coming in clear and we hope to get his video back. Ah, there he is. Um, before we get started, Jay, I just wanted to tell our listeners, if you have any questions, you can um, use the chat function on uh, on the Riverside platform to ask questions. We'll take them as they come in. And um, as usual, if you, you want to hear more, if you want to see more, go to airlineweekly.com to check out the latest issue. And if you're not a subscriber, drop us a line at airlineweekly at airlineweekly.com. Jay, we got some big news over the at the end of last week. Um, LATAM, one of South America's biggest carriers and one that's really intermeshed, intermeshed in the world's airline system uh, through alliances and joint ventures and et cetera, um, filed for bankruptcy. Is, so this is COVID's biggest victim, right, in terms of airlines? Yeah, big, biggest one. So we've had uh, Virgin Australia. We've had um, Thai Airways, Avianca couple that had that were sort of in it right before the um, pandemic like South African Airways um, but a lot of time is a big one and, and not only just big but it was it was a very successful airline I mean it was, right. it was it was strong it was strategically well positioned so it was somewhat of a surprise that they had to file um, ultimately they just uh, they you know had a lot of a lot of debt that they couldn't pay and they were due to pay dividends and so um, uh, they, you know, got into a situation where that was that was really the only, uh, you know, alternative. Well, so you said it was a very successful airline. Let's let's explore that a little bit. Um, I mean, because successful airlines tend not to file for bankruptcy. So, right, right. so what? What? Let's start with what made it successful in the last year. I mean, it had a pretty decent 2019, as I recall, right? Yeah, it was a bit of a tale of two halves. Um, the first half of, of 2019 was, was a little bit rough, but they, they had a, there was a lot of momentum in the second half. Um, we discussed that in our feature story this week in Airline Weekly. Um, but uh, they uh, were doing particularly well in Brazil. The Brazilian market changed a lot last year because there were four airlines and one of them went away. So I the other three... Brazil, right? Yeah, Avianca Brazil, right. So the other three... Um, d- just suddenly were producing, you know, tremendous profits in, in the Brazilian domestic market. So they had that going for them. Fuel prices were lower. Um, there, there were a lot of headwinds too. You know, they were, LATAM traditionally has, has been heavy in the cargo segment and that was a little bit rough last year. Um, there were protests in Chile, social unrest that caused, cost them some money. Um, so it was, it was a bit of, you know, there were headwinds and tailwinds, but, uh, but it was a ne- never an airline that uh, you worried about. You know, it wasn't uh, um, like Thai Airways is a very si- different situation or Virgin Australia, a very different situation. Um, in those two cases, um, there was a lot of uh, there were a lot of difficulties even before this current crisis. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, but what LATAM is, as I mentioned in the opening, is uh, has a lot of partners, a lot of large partners. Um, 
What does this bankruptcy filing mean for some of those partnerships? Do you think there'll be a white knight? So, so in terms of the like uh, suppliers and things, um, so so we have uh, um, the different stakeholders in bankruptcies. Of course, you have you know the labor unions and 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 the uh, the creditors, people who who lent money to to the airline. They're unfortunately you know going to be in a difficult situation where they're um, going to have to accept some sort of concessions. Now the uh, a little bit it's different than you know Virgin Virgin Australia where. The airlines up for sale. It's, it's it's not the situation here. Um, in fact, the founding families or the the, the families that, that own own land. This is very typical in, in South America, Latin America. Um, a lot of big family groups control companies. It's not not an AI typical at all. So you have two families: the Cueto group, Cueto family, and the Amaro family. They um you know they have a a big stake, and they are going to uh, probably merge with um with uh as a big part um of the ownership structure because they're contributing a lot of um sort of what we call dip financing emergency um mm-hmm. loans that uh um they'll be they'll be providing uh qatar airways another they own 10 percent of latam mm-hmm. um before the bankruptcy they'll be they'll be participating they'll be putting money in as well now delta that's a big question mark because delta owned 20 they bought 20 percent of the company i think it was um last fall um they are not contributing um any relief funding for, for LATAM um, that might, I believe that has something to do with uh, the CARES Act. There may be prohibitions on, on money that you can, the U.S. airlines can invest abroad. Um, but even aside from that, you know, Delta is not really in a position to, um, as, as pretty much all airlines are. Yeah. And Ed Bastian made that explicit a few weeks ago in the earnings call when he said there's no, um, uh, there'll be no, you know, they'll, Delta would offer its support, but not its financial support. Right. Um, but uh, now, do you think, but LATAM, if I have this correct, Jay, LATAM has not declared bankruptcy for all of its operations, right? No, it's it's a bit of a complex company. Um, they have different, you know, divisions in in the countries which they operate. Um, a lot of that date, that complexity dates back even to when Land Chile, which was a Chilean airline, merged with Aquin, and they just make the deal happen was create sort of a complex system. So they just decided to, you know, that it was best to uh, put the Chilean operation, the Peruvian operation, and a few others in in, in uh, file in either local bankruptcy courts or um, in the U.S. bankruptcy court. Um, that's kind of the, the main stage here is the U.S. bankruptcy court. Um, and then the Brazilian one, which is which is the biggest, uh, the biggest provider of revenues, um, that is not uh, um, a party to this bankruptcy case. But all the same, um, there's, you know, the same sort of restructuring is going underway. There's, there's discussions with lenders. There will be discussions with employees inevitably and aircraft you know lessors and, and other airports other other suppliers now one thing i'll just add about the brazilian unit is that um to, to back up uh one reason that latam was forced to file for bankruptcy is that it really didn't get any help from its mm-hmm. constituent governments so for example the u.s carriers probably would have had to file if they didn't get you know, $50 billion from the CARES Act or Lufthansa, we'll probably talk about them a little later. Yeah. Um, they just got a big uh, 
um, call it a bailout. Airlines don't like to use that term, but um, <laughs> financially, it's taxpayer aid. Uh, Air France got it, and you can you know go down the list. Um, LATAM did not really get any of that. However, um, it looks like they will be getting some in Brazil. Um, I, I, the terms, from what I understand, are going to be kind of onerous. It's not you know as generous as what you'd find maybe in the U.S. or Europe, but but there there is some money um, coming coming from Brazil, but you know to probably too little too late you know obviously too late to have avoided bankruptcy now iata actually this just just before we move on to some of the other airlines that have filed um iata recently said that uh that while european and, and european and north american governments have stepped up with state aid and some asian governments um that was conspicuously absent all through latin america correct Latin America uh, and even much of the developing world. I mean, you don't see too much uh, government aid in, in uh, you know, Africa, the Middle mm -hmm. East, um, part, parts of Asia. Um, it's it's really if you if you look at the the bailout packages, they tend to be the amount tends to be correlated with the wealth of a country. So, for example, you know, Singapore, a very wealthy country, they probably gave the most generous uh, um, aid to the aviation sector. Singapore Airlines is probably the biggest recipient of aid anywhere. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, places like the United States, uh, Germany, France. A um, couple of interesting, you know, exceptions. Canada hasn't really done much to support their airlines, at least huh. not yet. Um, it's been more in the form of provide some assistance to airline workers, but um, that I haven't seen much there. So it's, it's, you know, it varies by country, but, but in general, that's true. As I had a, you know, correctly pointed out last week, um, there, the, the aid has been much more generous in the wealthier countries, wealthier regions. Right. Um, <clears throat> another, which I, get, which I guess makes sense, right? I mean, they, you know, the right. money is, it's, they're, they're, these are wealthy places so they can afford, you know, the U S can, if they're doing a two point trail to, $2.2 trillion stimulus, they can perhaps afford to, you know, give some of that money to airlines where um, South America in particular, a lot of these countries are, you know, just face extremely difficult macroeconomic situations, you know, with, with currency depreciation and, and all, all sorts of distress. Right. And there's also been a tendency in Latin America to to view airlines as sort of a, the air travel as the domain of the rich and, and to tax them like they're cash cows. Right. I mean, the airlines have complained and IATA's complained for years about uh, onerous landing fees and, and taxes on air air travel because it's seen as, as just sort of a, a wealthy, not as yeah. integral to the, to the economy or to sort of the transport infrastructure as it is seen in, in other parts of the world. Yeah, and it is kind of true. I mean, the, the air travel penetration is just not as deep in a lot of countries. I mean, a place like Brazil, like a lot of that traffic is corporate traffic. Oh, over... You know, over over the past decade or so, there's been more leisure travel. You know that Brazil has developed some, you know, some of the beach resorts up up in the northeast and things like that. But, but, but you're you're absolutely right. It's 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 not. Um, it may not have that kind of mass public support as you'd find. You know, for example, I mean, you know, airlines everywhere are they're always. You know, they they people have love. <laughs> the public has love hate relationships. <laughs> right. But you know. <laughs> But in Brazil, yeah, it does tend to be the average person, maybe a little bit less, um, feels like they, you know, have less skin in the game because they, you know, <laughs> travel, they're not traveling as much. The notable exception to that is Singapore, which seems to have a love-love relationship with airlines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a big part um, of the economy over there. Yeah. Um, so let, let's uh, let's switch quickly to, um, to Thai. Uh, this was, so there was no state aid 
there's no rescue package that came to Thai. But um, Thai was a troubled airline before the pandemic um, caused a collapse in air travel, right? Yeah, Thai, Thai has an interesting history. You know, for the longest time, for decades, they, they originally date back to um, when SAS in Europe actually helped uh, help them get started. And they, oh, for a while, that. yeah, for a while, SAS was yeah, in Scandinavia. SAS actually is <laughs> come full circle here. SAS, SAS briefly had a um, ownership stake in La, Land, Chile, actually, for a while, too, I believe. If you I go back. had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, have, you, have to, you have to uh, fact check me on that. I am uh, probably probably shouldn't speak off the top of my head, but, but I do recall web. that they, they, <laughs> they were, um, the SAS was, uh, they did it. I mean, they had Continental, too, in the U.S. They, they, they had a very active overseas investment strategy because, you know, their, their home markets are pretty small. Uh, they still have that problem today. <laughs> but uh, SAS, I guess, is uh, a discussion for another day. Thai Airways, yeah. So they were they were helped out in the beginning by by some foreign airlines. And then they, for the longest time, they were profitable for like every year. I think it was mm-hmm. like 40, 40 something straight years where they were profitable. And it wasn't that they were such a great airline um, in terms of, you know, they, they were Singapore Airlines in terms of being on like sort of the avant-garde of management and, and quality and all that. It just, you know, t- t- thai, tour- thai tourism is just so massive and they just did it on volume. You know, it mm-hmm. was... Um, they would bring people and and before you know nowadays there's there's today there's like six airlines in thailand alone um and a million more that are, are flying you know with, with with extremely low fares into thailand so it's just a much 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 more more competitive business but they went through decades where they were kind of you know there wasn't a whole lot of competition um but yet a lot of demand so they managed to uh, and and the labor costs are low there um you know in general the input costs are low the government is is very supportive of the industry there because it's so important to the economy so they were just able to do okay. And then kind of about, uh, I'd say, you know, kind of around the global financial crisis, 2008, 2009, things started to really turn bad. And then by about, I think, 2014, it was just like a horrible year where they just lost all this money. Um, it's the competition. It's the, you know, there's a lot of internal politics. It's a state-owned company. It's, um, you know, they, 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 they kind of fell behind in quality. They had a like extremely even today they have a very extremely complex fleet. Mm-hmm. So not a lot of efficiency there. Um, so it was they they were a very sickly airline even before this crisis. So the one you know the silver lining here is that uh, this might be an opportunity for them to um, you know bankruptcy is sometimes an opportunity for uh, for an airline to uh, you know get their costs cost structure corrected and competitive and you know we'll, we'll see it might not be easy but it won't be easy especially you know given the, the current demand environment but um they they probably have their you know at least they have a fighting chance now to uh to restore. and there there's no way the government would let ty go kaput right completely hard, hard to believe i mean yeah. it's yeah they there was the from what i've just read from the local newspapers over there there were you know there was a big debate on you know what should we do should we just throw another Dude, pull an Alitalia and just throw another couple billion dollars at them and let them, you know, but or should we put them through the bankruptcy process and try to let them reform that way and all they decided to do. But I don't think there's any serious, any serious chance that they were going to, you know, just let the thing die. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's a pretty important to the economy. I mean, arguably they don't need it because they have so many other airlines, but it does. It's kind of the only it's the country's only long haul carrier. It does, you know, it's, it does provide a lot of jobs and things like that. So, right. Do you think there's a, um, if you to speculate or look into your crystal ball, do you think with all these other carriers that are in Thailand, um, 
Do you think there's a possibility of a merger or investment from some of the private sector companies into Thai? Yeah, well, there was there was talk last week that um, Thai Air Asia, which is the mm-hmm. local affiliate of, of the Air Asia that that um, you know the big one in Malaysia, um, that they might want to that they've actually been talking to uh, some of the other players. Now we don't know who they are. Um, there's there's a couple there's two foreign players that have come in and set their uh, set up joint ventures, kind of like the one Air Asia has. Uh, they're Vietjet and Lion mm-hmm. Air, Lion Air being the Indonesia from Indonesia and Vietjet Vietnam. Um, and then there's you know a couple other Bangkok Airways and stuff. So that that could be you know mergers. It, it's one way to uh, you know if you have this intense fair fair competition, one way to perhaps get the fares up a little bit is to uh, you know and right. that, that we might see that. The problem though with mergers is that uh, you know right now it's mergers cost money. It's right. it's and there's not a lot of capital to go around. You know it's uh, it's sometimes takes uh, a few years before you uh, are able to realize the synergies from mergers. Sometimes or always. <laughs> maybe always. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you get the, you know, you can get the prices quickly. You get airfares quickly right. up if you, you know, kind of remove all the capacity out of the system. But it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of risk involved. So Thai Airways, a recovery process not as smooth as silk. Not as smooth as silk. See what I did there? <laughs> yeah, <they're good. laughs> if any of you remember Thai's advertising campaign from the 80s and 90s, I believe? It was, was yeah, Thai smooth as silk. I just I have in my I have visions of that purple color. Yes, <laughs> with the 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 very elaborate uh, design on the tail. Right. Um, all right. Uh, let's let's switch over to uh, Lufthansa, which is not bankrupt, but which is has become Germany's flag carrier again, in a matter of speaking. Ooh, yes. Uh, yeah, what, what I mean that just happened over the uh, at the end of last week, and I believe the board of Lufthansa is evaluating the state aid package today. So let's let's talk about that a little bit. What's what does this mean, and what's going so, on? So yeah, Lufthansa closer to LATAM than they are to Thai, a lot closer to LATAM in the sense that they were, you know, they were a, a healthy airline going into the crisis. Um, not the most profitable. Um, if you look at Europe's big three airlines, which um, it's Lufthansa, IAG, mm. Air France, KLM. Um, the, you know, Lufthansa was in the middle. IAG was the one, you know, in recent years that have just, you know, been doing really well, producing a lot of profits, very high profit margins. Air France has been kind of the laggard. Um, but Lufthansa has kind of been, been in the middle and their story, Lufthansa is a very, it's a big empire. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of different parts of, of the Lufthansa empire. The core Lufthansa airline itself, the one with, you know, Lufthansa brand on its side, flying from Frankfurt, Munich. Um, that has been doing pretty well. That had, you know, they had a good 2019. Um, Swiss is Swiss Air is also part of the Lufthansa mm-hmm. Empire, and that is the most profitable part of the group. They uh, consistently earn very, very high profit margins. Um, interesting to see, you know, what will happen to them going forward because it's a it's an airline very dependent on premium demand, maybe in short supply with the economy and. Um, so you have Lufthansa mainline, we call it mainline, and then you have, you know, Swiss doing just fine. But then you have parts of the business like Eurowings, which has just been a constant headache, constant money loser. Um, you know, the cargo business is, hasn't been great. Um, the uh, Brussels Airlines is also part of the group, Austrian, they've had problems with that. So it's, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different parts, some doing well, some doing. One, here's the interesting question is now that they're, you know, they've got all this um, state money, which buys them time. They don't have to worry about running out of cash anytime. You know, it's certainly not this year. Um, 
the, que the question will be is, you know, to what extent are they going to change their business model? Is it going to be like, okay, we sort of, we'll, we'll kind of more or less do the same things the way we did before, but just make sure our costs are lower and, and whatnot. Or are we going to, you know, shut down Eurowings? They've already, mm -hmm. they've already shut down a, a thing called German Wings. It's like German a part wings, of, right, yeah. yeah, it's like a part. It's, I wouldn't even put, pay too much attention to that because Eurowings still exists. It's their low cost carrier. Well, they, what, what are they going to do with that thing? Um, Brussels Airlines, it sounds like, um, you know, they kind of have to keep it because I think the Belgian government contributed some capital. I'm not sure, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. They're going to have to have some difficult discussions with their unions, uh, unfortunately. As, Which uh, watch, you know, has, has had difficult conversations with their unions for years now. Right? Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, it's, you know, Air France, the, the uh, like pilot management relationship has been bad for, for centuries. <laughs> right. But, uh, <laughs> but in Lufthansa's case, um, it, it was generally very peaceful up until, you know, five years or so. Whatever, and there's been yeah. They kind of came to, you know, settled everything a year or two ago, and now it's going to get hairy again. But uh, Right, yeah. right. I mean, and Euro, the whole Eurowings, German Wings mainline, I mean, that was a painful discussion for Lufthansa. Yes. And as you said, one that was more or less resolved in the last eight. Mm -hmm. But it looks like, I mean, the wound will be reopened, I, mm -hmm. I imagine. Yeah, a lot, lot of, get... a lot of wounds across the Eurowings. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, it's good. For sure. I mean, you have... Um, the heads of of two of the largest, well, the three largest carriers here in the U.S. just openly warning staff that they will be smaller after the CARES Act funding runs out. Absolutely, yeah, and it's going to be interesting to what extent, you know, here in the U.S., uh, the airlines are going to be able to extract um, labor concessions. Uh, we remember that, um, you know, during the last, uh, or after 9-11 anyway, all the big airlines use the bankruptcy courts to do that. Yeah. Um, that's not going to be the case this time. So they won't have that lever. So they're going to be more, you know, difficult discussions um, or, you know, those are obviously difficult discussions too, but it's, it's going to be, they won't have the bankruptcy tools to, to do that. So we'll, you know, um, I, I, you know, I don't know how that, that will, will progress. But. And the ink is barely dry on a lot of collective bargaining agreements in the U S yeah. I mean, a lot of carriers just recently signed pretty, you know, let's be honest, kind of expensive uh, uh, contracts. Right, and, like the American Mechanics deal just, yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine there's going to be a lot of appetite to open those up for concessions. Right, right. Yeah, we had a good discussion on the, um, so our founder, Rafat, was talking with the head of the, uh, the airline flight attendants, um, was it last week? Mm -hmm. And uh, she talked about some of these issues, too, so. It was, I mean, it was an inter interesting discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you can check out that live stream on forums at skiff.com as well, the archive of it. Um, now, let's, you know, we, we, we don't have a lot of time left. I just wanted to uh, switch gears a little bit and uh, ask you <laughs> if you, uh, once again, look into your crystal ball. Can you give me, like, or just your considered opinion, can you give me an example of an airline that uh, is doing better than expected out of this crisis or is better positioned, you know, to take, to recover more quickly. But, uh, but it's, um, I think the, it's, it's almost consensus now that, uh, you know, the, some of these domestic short haul oriented low cost carriers are going to be best positioned to, uh, to recover in the early phases. Um, 
uh, of recovery. So the you know the allegiance and the spirits of the world. Um, the in Europe, you know, Wizz Air and Ryanair. Um, you know, in a way, these are airlines that were very successful even before the crisis, and and the reasons they were so successful has a lot to do with their cost base, which, you know, re remain the cost advantages remain intact. Um, so, you know, there's uh, and and that probably will eventually true in Asia. It's it's a little bit of a somewhat more complex story because, um, I guess it's true in Europe too, but you have the international borders, mm -hmm. so. It's uh, you know the U.S. doesn't have to worry about you know if you want to fly to Florida now you can and it's it's Florida is in fact one of the more open places so to speak. <laughs> um, so it's you know there's still like in Thailand we were talking about Thailand Thailand is still not open to foreign visitors yet so that'll take some time but but in general yeah I mean the answer to your question is you know the the, the low cost carriers the short haul domestic ones will probably be due okay U.S. in general you know the U.S. is really not that badly positioned overall like. There was, you know, one thing we wrote, we wrote in Airline Weekly this week is that it's not inconceivable, um, and we were kind of building off a comment by American's Doug Parker that, uh, you know, the, the U.S. airlines, a lot of them can make money next year. I mean, if you think about, you know, demand doesn't have to come back that much. If you think about just all the capacity coming out and all the costs that are, that are uh, coming out, and, you know, maybe we'll even have uh, a, a vaccine um, uh, administered by, by the end of 2020, 2021. So it's not uh, a uh, an inconceivable point. I'm not saying you know, it's not a prediction, but it's it's um, it's something that could happen. And the U.S. is just so, you know, it's it's so consolidated, so over the years, it's so disciplined. I mean, some of these airlines, you know, we talk about like uh, even a Delta. You know, Ed Bastian was the one who basically, you know, managed Delta through bankruptcy. He knows how to do this. You know, you know, there's a lot of a lot of um, institutional memory among U.S. airlines and how to manage these crises. So. Um, you know, and fuel prices are really low, so it's it's not not an inconceivable thing. Now, you know, right. Parker also said that you know the Americans would never lose money again. But well, that that is I, true. I mean, that he. But I, I, remember but I think he gets a little bit too hard to hard. You know, I think you can't give him too hard a time because he didn't realize. You know, uh, no nobody can predict that an asteroid would hit the or you know, hit yeah, the world, pandemic, which is but a, I, the equivalent of what what we're experiencing. I remember hearing that uh, that comment when he made it and think. But uh, yeah, but there's maybe, another maybe comment. It's better that, not to say things like that. But. Yeah, there's another. You'd never say never, right? But there was another comment that Parker made this last week um, to speak to your point, to sort of illustrate your point about uh, capacity coming out of the system. I mean, he said that essentially next year, just given what he's looking at, the U.S. Will, industry will see the equivalent of an airline disappearing in terms A of airline, all the yeah. capacity leaving the system. Yeah. Will be the equivalent of like I think it's twenty percent. He was he said like. It, yeah, it could be as high as twenty percent. I mean, just just of of all the capacity, you know, we could be at a situation where there's twenty percent less capacity in twenty twenty one than there. Were. So that is that's essentially you know like taking a Delta uh, a United out of the system. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. which is yeah, kind it's, of it's, remarkable. It's, that's a lot of capacity. That's coming out. And speaking out. of United, <laughs> do you think uh, do you think there are some airlines that are less well positioned? Um, I know it's been said that United United's pretty well positioned because it is a U.S. carrier and it was financially healthy anyway. But Delta and United in the states are at least more exposed because they're more reliant on um, on uh, international flights, right? Yeah, the intercontinental, the premium, the, which mm -hmm. which will probably, I mean, by all accounts, that's going to take. So yeah, so, what, so within the U.S., I mean, if you're just looking within the U.S., you know, a Delta, United, American, interestingly, because remember when they merged with U.S. Airways, U.S. Airways was a very domestic heavy airline. Right. So they, when that merger happened, 
the combined uh, unit, well, the American today essentially, is, is a very domestic heavy airline. I mean, they're uh, domestic and short haul too. Like if you count some of the you know Latin American stuff that they can do with narrowbody aircraft, um, they're you know they're very they're heavy in sort of long haul Latin as well. But and, and they're placed in Europe, but not so big in Asia, especially outside of Tokyo. Um, so they might you know if if domestic is in short haul is where the action is at in the next year or two, American than a Delta and United. Outside of the US, you know, if you want to pick companies that are airlines that are, you know, look to be in real, real big trouble, you know, you just have to really feel for a carrier like Cathay Pacific, which has just gone through, you know, one crisis after another. Um, So there's, uh, and then there's, you know, your cases, your bankruptcy cases, which we we talked about earlier, the challenge of. Yeah, I mean, Cathay had almost a year of civil unrest to deal with in its home market now. A pandemic and uh, possibly more civil unrest to come. And, and they're yeah. heavily exposed to cargo, which is right. Uh, right now. I mean, people be careful when you hear airline stock go. Cargo is doing, you know, doing very well right now in, in speaking, but um, it is still a much smaller global cargo market than it was in, you know, call it 20. A lot of yeah. these trade wars start started and, um, you know, now it's who knows, but uh so so yeah, Cathay is one is one uh, that that will probably have a rough time. Um, you know, we'll see if Air France can get its act to get to, to recover in Cathay. But um, you know, there's another one to just think about. Air Canada too is an interesting mm-hmm. situation. You know, very healthy airline going in, but not a lot of government aid. Um, very dependent on international, intercontinental. Um, very dependent on connecting traffic. Connecting, right? Yeah, that'll be interesting. Especially, I mean, the U.S. Canada border is still closed, I believe. Yeah, I think so. so. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, think I think there's going to be flights start running. But for an airline dependent on its far-flung no, destinations, it's... that's problematic. Right. Are we not getting any questions today, my dude? We did the, not get any questions from the masses? today. the <laughs> 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 yeah, You know, sometimes you get the elevator and sometimes you get the shaft. Um, but And with that, <laughs> word of wisdom, <laughs> let's wrap it up. Jay, I want to thank you for joining us this week. Thank you. And uh, once again, if you have, uh, we will be rebroadcasting this as a podcast later in the week. Uh, get it wherever you get your podcasts. And the, um, the replay of this video will be on um, airlineweekly.com. Check us out. And if you want, uh, if you have any questions about a subscription, check us out at airlineweekly at airlineweekly.com. And per usual, if you have any feedback, drop me a line at mu at skiff.com. Thank you and goodbye.